0: Good to see everybody this morning, praying for all those that are dealing with allergies, sickness, vacation, turkey, amen, getting over this past week of being thankful, amen. So good to see everybody. And isn't it good to know that the presence of God is here? And he's so available to all of us. We're talking about, amen, being Jesus to others to do that. Living in his glory is the thing he's invited us to do, amen. Did you know you can live in his glory? That he's invited you, amen, to take on his name, his identity, to carry his spirit and his kingdom, it's within you. And all of his creation is watching him. And he has made you the apple of his eye, the object of his affection. You're his treasure. And he wants to put you on display. But the enemy does his job well to make us feel like we're not worthy. He does his job well to encourage us to believe that we are less than who God says we are. Anybody ever thought like that before? Ashamed? You feel guilt? Uh, and, and a multitude of emotions come in like waves. Anybody have negative emotions? And uh, after a while, if you have it so long, you'll start wanting to suck your thumb. Anybody know what, what I'm talking about? So every morning I get up and I look at the guy in the mirror and uh, make some statements to him. That's how it works for me to keep that guy in the grave. So the true identity that God's working on me can come out. Amen. Which is Christ. It's not Dwayne, it's Christ. Amen. We're called by his name. Amen. We've been adopted by him to carry his identity. And when you're baptized into Christ, Amen. You've taken on the identity of Christ. Now he can work and do what he purposed and to finish it through you. Now we all say it that we believe God loves everybody. Everybody raise your hand on that. It's legal to raise your hand on that one. But what would happen if we ever believed that he loved me? What would happen if you ever got a revelation that God loves you? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, therein is the the purpose of God. Because if I haven't experienced his love on the level that I received the fact that he died for me and that I won't be saved because I earned it, that when I stand before God, amen, it wasn't because I was a good boy. That I entered in, It was because he died for me. He paid the debt I couldn't pay. That's why I'm going to be there. Amen. Now, I encourage you today because all of us want to know that he has us. So when you and I agree that, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean he has you. Just because I say I believe and that I follow Christ doesn't mean he has me. And that's very important for us to consider today because, amen, we want to know that God can have us, that he's got us. Everybody wants to know that, right? But in order for God to get us, we've got to realize that getting God is not possible on my part. I'm too carnal. I'm too flawed. I'm too fragile. I'm not able to get him. So what does God do in order for me to have possession of him in my life? And he will not give me possession of himself, and he cannot be Lord in my life apart from him having me. So because I can't get him, what he does is he bends me. He breaks me. He molds me and he makes me until he's able to say, there he is. That's my boy right there. That's my child. Amen. I got him. And the moment he gets us, not because any of us deserved it, but because he loves us before we existed. He saw us. He saw our frailty. He saw our need of him and he fell in love with us and he determined that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them. And so we're going through stuff. We're experiencing emotions that we don't like experiencing. Anybody agree with that? And let me encourage you today to know that a negative emotion in your life is just the evidence of a lie that you're entertaining. That's all it is but you don't understand pastor so-and-so <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> oh, I understand. And we're in a world right now. That's pointing the finger at one another and it ain't getting any better. It's getting worse. And until I can deal with a guy in the mirror and quit pushing it off on the next person that they need to change. So I have a better day. Soon as you change, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine, but you need to change. And the the attempt to change someone, you know what's happening? You're sabotaging your miracle. Every time you try to get someone to change, you're actually engaging in sabotage. Ain't nobody can change me but God. Ain't nobody can change you but God. So why are we playing God all the time? When God called us to be his kids. He called us to be his children. Amen. To play in the playground he designed for us to play in. And in his presence. In his glorious presence. There's fullness of joy. We're always telling on everybody around us to him. Jesus, Sally done this. And Jimmy done that. Jesus, what you going to do about it? Amen. And so... He designed us to be Christ to everybody. And to do that, you might get crucified. Now, I know I can't handle being crucified unless God is with me. If God is with me, I can do all things. I can actually get slapped and turn the other cheek. Now, if you noticed that the Lord always gives me real life stuff when I come up here and then he'll give us a good news message of hope to press through the battles that we face in our life from one day to the next. We're not playing church. Ladies and gentlemen, God designed us to be the church. Remember, we don't go to church. We are the church. And the only way you can be the church is hosting his presence. Apart from that, you can be religious. You can play the part and you can put the religious mask on, but that is so painful because there's no life in it. Amen. You can fool a lot of people to make them believe that you actually are a follower of Jesus, but the evidence is going to show up. These signs follow them that believe the evidence will always show up whether or not we're following or not. Amen. The kingdom always is evident when we're following him, the presence of God that is. And so today we're we're talking about being Jesus to others. And there's three key factors in you stepping into that role of being Jesus to others, which is the third part, third key, be Jesus to others, to actually be Jesus. Number one, you're going to need two witnesses. A world. Amen. In John chapter 4, it reads this way. i read this passage to you. John chapter 4. From now on, verse 23, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but the right heart. For God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers. Now, I want to pause for a minute and catch that. The Lord longs. He desires. He's looking for worshipers. And these worshipers are the kind of worshipers that he's able to work through and be Jesus to others. Right? Right? So, these worshipers adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. Important for us to note today, spirit and truth. Worship in spirit and truth is not an option from God's lens. It's a mandate. And you cannot worship in his spirit apart from truth being in your life. It takes the right spirit, the right attitude in order for the truth to have a platform to manifest. Amen. And do what it does. It brings freedom. Anybody need freedom? Isn't it wonderful? You feel the presence of God today, but you can actually feel the presence of God and know God's huh, and leave still in bondage. Yeah. And you'll some of you will say, man, if I could just take that with me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, you can. You can do that. But truth will not occupy his house with lies. Okay? Now, everybody needs freedom, right? The truth will make you free. And so the spirit of God will not be able to do what it's designed to do other than draw you apart from the truth of God, setting you free from the lies you've been entertaining, which is the evidence of the negative emotions you're always going through. Amen. And we're in America, so we're going to keep it American. We're not going to go back 2000 years ago and really call it what it is unless you want to know amen so you need these two witnesses you need spirit and you need truth in order to be a worshiper because if you don't have spirit and truth operating in your life the manifestation of the kingdom can't come now does people bother you i keep going back to people (laughs) relationships are hurting and everybody wants healthy relationships, right? Amen. Know this. Experience and revelation are synonymous of spirit and truth. God designed every one of us to experience him on a level that gives him access to us in power and authority so that the lies that we entertain, which are really spiritual problems, those spiritual, pro- those spiritual entities will run seven different ways. Isn't it good that God comes on the scene and he encourages us with his presence and he gives us an experience of his love. But it's important for you to embrace that love so that revelation can come. Amen. And so today, I want to encourage you that you're in a place where people have come with a common denominator I need God. And because we've gathered with a need for God in our life, it draws Him. We're feeling after God, and He is suddenly coming. Now, He's waiting on us to get honest and tell the truth about how much we need him. He's asking us to say, take the mask off, take the facade off, push back on the religious idea of what a man being a believer looks like, and just get transparent to me. Be honest. Amen. And so after I, this is the first point. We need these two witnesses, right? We need experience. We need revelation. We need spirit. We need truth. Or we can't be a true worshiper. Anybody don't want to be a true worshiper? So you become the house of God. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit because you know you've been bought by his blood. And because of his sacrifice, you're here today not because you're good. Not because of anything other than he loves you and gave it all for you, right? I need that in my life every day. I have to go back there daily, ladies and gentlemen. I got to look in the mirror and deal with the guy. Man, that guy has messed up a lot. He's dropped the ball. He's missed it. He's hurt so many people. But the point is the Lord obviously knew beforehand. Don't justify it. He has a plan. And he's patient and he's long-suffering and he don't come in and see the mess. He comes in and sees the treasure. He don't see what's wrong with me and you. He sees what he's after. And he's all in. So I'm just giving you an example of experience and revelation, how they come together, how spirit and truth works. And I've already told you one time, but after I'm adjusting myself for the morning and going in to get my coffee that, you know, you remember the coffee pot experience where the Lord said, okay, the spirit of God came and truth came. And he asked me a simple question, who owns the coffee pot? I almost said I do. But then the revelation coming, and I know what well, I knew, God owns everything, right? That's just my religious knowledge. But he wanted me to have true revelation. And I thought I got revelation that morning, but I didn't, but it kept coming in waves until... Okay, that w- it wasn't about the first morning on who owns it, because he don't really give a... <laughs> he, he don't care about being in charge and owning everything. That's not what he's after. He's not after me agreeing with him that he owns it all. He's after something else. It's about being him in a world that's hurting. He needs a true worshiper. And I'm thinking, I know how to worship and I'm learning, I don't. And I'm learning that I have a Bible study for everything and I've got to get delivered of that. Because my Bible studies kill, they don't bring life. His word brings life. His spirit brings life. The truth brings freedom. Not my Bible studies. All my Bible studies do—it's a spirit of OCD, <laughs> trying to clean everything. That, thats what my spirit of my Bible study is. My Bible study sees what's wrong instead of what's right. I walk up to you as long as I've got my degree and I've done my theology, done my—I can tell what's not right about you. That's not the kingdom. That's not Jesus it kills. But when I'm in his presence and he's able to reach through me to you and embrace you, it's amazing how the love of God brings freedom and everything gets clean. I'm just telling you, I need him, ladies and gentlemen, and experience In the love of God, experience the Spirit of God, the presence of God, along with the revealing of His truth, makes us true worshipers so that we can move into the next important aspect. Because if I don't catch that, I won't seek what He treasures, I will seek what I treasure. Needed pause for a minute, in fact. Because some of us still think we own things in our life, and the things that God has placed in our possession. He's given us an opportunity to host him, but we're still battling over being in charge. Come on. Our daddy messed us up. Adam, our granddaddy. He decided one day that he thought that knowledge and being in charge would be much better than the presence of God. So he made a decision to be in charge one day and take control in lieu of hosting God's presence. And it brought shame and guilt, right? That's why this next portion is so important. I want to read a passage to you because everyone of us wants to move into the second key to living in his glory, and that's Jesus is my number one treasure. First, you'll need two witnesses. You're going to need the spirit and the truth, the presence of God, and the revealing of him, and then through that, you're able now to pursue what God treasures, not what you treasure. Ask God to deliver you from what you treasure so that you can become passionate about what he treasures, okay? That would be a very important deliverance and freedom act today. Amen. And I I know we could have a Bible study on. well, I don't think what I treasure is bad. Oh, I got you. I understand. But after you host God's presence for a little while, you'll notice it loses its luster and its its shininess. The more you step into hosting him, the less what you thought was treasure is treasure. It's a trick. And it'll pull you in to a vortex of pain and sorrow and guilt and shame. Okay. So this next point is you want Jesus to be your number one treasure. Amen. In Matthew 13, Jesus taught his followers how to treasure hunt. You ready, you ready to learn how to treasure hunt today? I didn't get any amens on that, but you know, it's, I'm, not, you, you know I'm not looking for an amen. I just had fun with that. Because it's like, I, I know I, I, know I want to be a treasure hunter, I'm nervous right now. <laughs> this is how Jesus taught, teaches us to be a treasure hunter for his kingdom. He said, heaven's kingdom, Ram, can be illustrated like this. We're reading from the Passion Translation. A person discovered that there was a hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field so that he could have the treasure. Amen. Now, last week in our creative team meeting, week before, Sean brings that point up and says, man, I feel like the Lord's trying to talk to us about this parable. And so I marked it down and went home and started listening and God began to open it up to me. You know, experience, and then revelation, spirit and truth. And he said, son, humanity is that field. 6,000 years ago, I chose that field to form humanity out of and breathe into humanity, Adam, and make him a living soul. And I placed in a garden that I placed, Adam, amen, a tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam decided, by way of choice, and it's not that God's ignorant, he knows all things, to partake of the thing that God said, do not eat of. And God doesn't do anything for evil. He has a purpose behind everything he does. He has an interest, amen, in receiving the glory that he's due as being God. It would be awesome to figure God out, you can't. But he's our father. And so the moment Adam partakes of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, the treasure is exposed. Got to catch this. It's so important. And now the one that wants the field is the Lord. I see the treasure. Because before then, y'all got to catch this. Please, Lord, help them get this one. Because it got me good. Adam could not know the relationship between him and God apart from God's grace and his mercy and his long suffering and his kindness and his gentleness and his temperance. Come on. We're talking about the fruit of the spirit, aren't we? We're talking about the kingdom of God. Adam could not really know the kingdom that God wanted him to have dominion in apart from shame and guilt. Amen coming in waves to the point that he felt, and he was naked now, fear, and he's running, and he's hiding. And God sees the treasure in the field. And he says, I'm going to hide it again. I'm going to hide it, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to give it all to have it. And so God takes the coat of a ram, and he covers Adam and Eve and we know that in order to get that coat there had to be bloodshed and so Adam the field gets covered and then gets covered yearly amen when you move into the Old Testament process of coming before God in his holiness it was covered until God comes in flesh 4,000 years after that and he takes Everything he's got, God in flesh, and he purchases the field, humanity. He purchases the field because he's got to have the treasure. If we have a relationship with that truth, it'll set you free. God wants to bring you to a place where you're not in a vortex of a religious world. That will deceive you. The devil goes to church, ladies and gentlemen, and the devil walks up on platforms. Let let me be frank with you. The devil's used me more than I want to talk about, but God didn't quit. He kept working. The devil will use the scripture that you study and you memorize. Amen? And, and while you're going through emotions and challenges and pushback and all, he'll, he'll build his kingdom right in a building. It's sitting in a church. This building is not the church. Come on. Those who become true worshipers, they are the church. Let me, I'm going to challenge you right now. Do you believe Jesus should be your number one treasure? then why are you offended in returning God his tithe? Did that bother you? And it did several. And the Lord loves all of us. He loves all of us. The reason it bothers you and that motion is there is because you're entertaining a lie that was ministered through religious doctrines and bible studies the tithe never ceased being god's it was god's in the beginning in the garden the tree of knowledge was god's tithe and adam just had to have it and what did it cost adam And that spirit of religion will tell you, oh, the tithe is under the law. It's not necessary no longer. That's what the spirit of religion will tell you. That's not God. That's a demon speaking through and using humanity as his platform to preach lies. Now, let me ask you a question. If it bothers you, it's because you're entertaining a lie. Secondly, if you need to know whether or not this is important to God, just check whether or not the windows of heaven are open in your life. And if the windows of heaven are not opened in your life, you might want to consider God not ever, he can't lie. And he don't ever change. And the only way that he gives you and I opportunity to test him is the first. Whatever's first, whatever you treasure, he gets the first. And that's how you step into your true identity as a worshiper. He gets the first. Pastor, why are you talking about? No, we're talking about being Jesus to others. They need hope. And we're also finding out today to step into a place where you're experiencing the love of God and the revelation of God to where people don't bother you no more. You want to get to a place where people don't bother you? When God becomes your treasure, people will stop bothering you. And when he's my treasure, putting him first is not a problem. Anything that, and I, he, the first thing he wants is our heart. That's the treasure. He wants our heart. He wants our focus. He wants our worship. And if I can't be faithful over little, just the first, how am I going to be a revealing of him to a world? When he's test? he's trying me with the little just a tithe, just a tithe, and somebody's saying you think you're, you're still calling it money, you're still calling it money and, it, and and let me just say this, if you can't handle money, how are you going to handle the kingdom? If money still got your attention as though you actually own it, look God didn't build this with nobody's money here. He built it with his money. everything he's done on this piece of property, he did it with. His money. Nobody's money. You still think you own your money? And God will let you go there until you get so tired and so wore out and so beat up that eventually you say, you know what? I think I'm going to give God an opportunity to be Lord in my life. And I'm going to quit fussing about this tree of knowledge of good and evil that I've got God figured out. And I'm just gonna trust Him. That uh, trust is the number one form of worship. Pastor Lo Herb get to the end of this message because I can't handle it no more. No, I hear you. I hear you. And he ha- he had he be warning me to go there because we're in a season right now where everybody's trying to please everybody. We're in a season where if you don't do it right, man, you're going to make Aunt Sally mad and, and Uncle Joe and, uh, and, and man, we've got, we, and, and right now the economy's been hit and, and we ain't got enough of this and the, I don't know how we're going to make it through this season. And then if you got any room on your credit cards, it's maxed out. And then the next thing you know, you're thinking about right. Tell me how that's the windows of heaven opened. How is the nation's going to call you blessed and me blessed? Well, we're still trying to figure out how to please the culture and the emotional breakdowns of our world and the seasons that we've created when there's a kingdom of God and a king sitting on a throne and he's waiting for us to give him rights to his own house. He's waiting on us to invite him into his own house and we're still worshiping the golden image. What are you talking about? Anybody into FICA, the gold standard, or whatever? You still working on your credit score? What in the world do you need a credit score for? When God says, I'll open the windows and blow your mind if you'll just return to me and make me your number one treasure. right now our culture is so out of balance don't even have a budget most couples don't even budget they just live from one paycheck to the next and then they fight and next thing you know because the finance and i'm telling you when you worship money relationships break up but when you worship jesus and you put him in lead he says, try me, test me. The only way we can test God, the only thing that he gave you access in testing him, whether or not he's the blesser or not, is returning to him the first. And that don't happen when you return the tithe. The windows don't open when you return to tithe. The windows open when you go beyond the tithe and walk in his spirit. And what he impresses on you beyond the tithe is when the windows open. Now, does anybody believe God can lie? He said, test me. And let me me say one more time. Find a place where you can get committed to Jesus and get planted, rooted, grounded. And quit worrying about whoever the pastor is. Return God his tithe and let God take care of the pastor if he handles it wrong. I'm going to tell you, look, go, go, go where God tells you to go and get rooting and, and make God first in your life. I'm pushing against an enemy that don't want me to say the things I'm saying right now, but I don't need one cent from anybody in this room. I need Jesus. I don't need a penny from, I need you to be obedient because I want to walk in fellowship with you as we walk together and in uh, uh, impact our world. But as long as you can't make Jesus number one, how can we walk together? And you're going to be tested in this season. And I'm just going to tell you, if you've got Jesus on your side, you win. If you don't, it's going to be Painful. And the devourer is going to have his way. Amen. Oh, me. Now, when I realize that spirit and truth makes a difference, and when I realize Jesus is my number one treasure, I can't help but be Jesus to everyone in my path. I can't help it. It's because I'm in the current, I'm in the river, I'm in the flow, I'm in life. And I will be Christ to everyone in my path. I'm not going to go beat nobody up. I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to bring good news. Freedom's going to flow. Amen. Dominion and authority. The evidence of the kingdom's just going to come in waves when I'm there. Right? So I'm I'm being honest with you. That's, That's the third point. Once you get the two witnesses in your life, spirit and truth, and you step into worshiping God, God becomes, Jesus becomes number one to you. You will be Jesus to everybody, regardless of their flaws. Now, this is where we bring this to a point of, okay, Jesus, help. We get honest with God. Because all I can do is tell you about how I had to get honest. Let me say it this way I get to be honest. <laughs> I get to be honest. So, of course, you heard. Revelation came a week later on the coffee pot. When I said, "You know, why, why, why don't everybody else?" And by the way, my wife's a clean freak. She ain't mess that. She ain't messing the coffee pot up. If you were thinking that, she was bad. And they thinking I'm dirty. <laughs> now Tammy Lowe, ain't, no, that ain't happening. Nonetheless. I'm fussing about the fact that I'm getting a cuff called and I got to clean it up and get it ready. for. And the Lord says in King James, thou art inexcusable or wretched man that you are. When you judge someone, you're guilty of the same thing. And I was bringing judgment on myself because of my attitude. I wasn't being a true worshiper yet. I was open as a true worshiper for revelation And truth came, and I got some more freedom that morning. Come mess that coffee pot up you want to now. I don't care. I'll just clean it up behind you. I'll teach you. Mess it up again. I'll clean it up. That's freedom. Mess it up again. I'll just clean it. Not a problem. I don't see the problem as being you. I see the victory as I get to be Jesus. But the third, the third revelation came. See, I thought it was about God owning and being in charge of the coffee pot. It wasn't about that at all. You see the tie that you, he's placed in your possession? You don't own it at all. But it's there to see if you'll make him Lord or not. Everything you have in your possession is in your possession for one purpose. For him to be Lord. Let me say it this way. As a steward of the king, you're not a steward by choice. That identity was given to you before you was born. God calls you that before you existed. He chose you to be his children before you came aboard. So the identity of you becoming a child of God is up to him. How He gets you there. You can't perform that for daddy. Only daddy can do that. Okay. Is that helping you? So I'm a, uh, going in the living room on my way to the coffee pot. This is the third week. This is helping somebody. I'm talking about freedoms coming in waves, ladies and gentlemen, because I was already just left the bathroom where I told the guy in the mirror, you ain't getting out today, Doc. I'm going to win this one today with Jesus. And so I'm already entertaining, okay, what we going to do today, Lord? And he decided the first thing we're going to take care of is some more revelation so you can get more freedom. I need more of my house available. I can't keep entertaining. I can't come in the way I want to come in your life with you entertaining lies. I've been in ministry over 40 years, and I'm being set free. And Lord... Hey, look, I get around there. I said, I thought for a moment. That's what I thought. I don't have to have a cup of coffee today. <laughs> and the reason I thought that is because if I don't have a cup of coffee, I ain't got to worry about all done. <laughs> and you know what Daddy told me? I didn't know that cup of coffee was important to me. He says, uh, will you forego my presence? Mm. Wow. Because you don't want to have to go serve anybody? Uh. What do y'all think happened in that living room that day? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Lord, go have a cup of coffee. Amen. And I went made me a cup of coffee. And I seen the whole scenario different today. Let me ask you a question. What's the Holy Spirit telling you right now? What have you been foregoing? What have you been give? what have you done with God's presence in relation to something else you're after? What's so valuable to you today? that you will not host God's presence because you're going after it. What is it? Because I'm just going to tell you, the guy in the mirror wants to have his way. He don't want to put up with stupid. And see, my idea of stupid has been fed with demon activity. Uh, Why would I have to say it like that? With lots of lies. Religious lies. And and I, I look at things as being stupid and ignorant and not right and not God based on my lens. And it's the mask I wear, the religious mask. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when I have that lens on, you're not God's treasure. You're just in my way. And daddy never says anything negative about you. He don't see the dirt where the treasure is found. He didn't come beating Adam up because he made a bad decision. He came mercifully revealing truth to him and covering him and setting this thing up for the most powerful rendezvous between heaven and earth. He found his treasure now. And the guilt and the shame that you've endured in your life was not there to make you feel bad. But the enemy does his job well, don't he? He wants you to feel real bad about it. It wasn't there for that. It was there so that God could reveal himself to you in a way he couldn't in any other way. Where you fail, and, and look, ladies and gentlemen, when I say people bother me, and I'm a people person, and I pastor, I'm being honest with you. I have a passion for God, but the more I let him come into his house, as much as I'm a people person, I be, really become a, the more he comes, in, the more I become a people person. Amen. Are you tracking And I need people in my life. I need Jesus in my life. That's why people is important. Because you have a part of him I don't have. And the closer I get to him, the closer I get to you, the closer I get more him. It's amazing how one can be powerful, but two. And if two or three come together and agree, wow. And you get a group like this, and we all say the same thing, and we worship him in spirit and in truth. What is it that you're exchanging the presence of God for? What is it? What is it that the Adamic nature in you, like Adam, is choosing over God's presence? And the moment you get honest about it and you tell God the truth, and you can call people's name to Him, He'll take it. But when He gets through with you, you'll find out they wasn't the problem in the first place. And you'll fall in love with them. And you'll hug their neck. And you'll forgive them 490 times in one day. And you'll be just like Jesus the world we live in? Could we stand? Amen. Living in his glory. Living in his glory. What's the spirit of God saying to you right now? Do you feel safe enough in this room to be honest with God? Do you? Do you feel safe enough with the fact that there's people in this room? And uh, they want you to be honest with God, too. And you might encourage them to be honest with God. But more than that, if we forego worrying about what the next person's thinking, and we just go with Jesus, if I get his attention, it really doesn't matter what I think other people are thinking, as long as I get his attention. Hmm. You ready to be honest with God today? You ready for your spiritual cup of coffee? And enjoy the presence of God? So that when you go out in this world that's hurting today, you can be the light, the salt. You can be God's platform by which he reveals himself to a hurting world. I can promise you today, if you'll you'll get honest with him, the, the politics of our world won't bother you no more. The elected officials won't bother you no more. The emotional breakdown our culture's having right now won't bother you anymore. That all this stuff going on is causing a shaking to happen. So that everything that can be shaken will be shaken until the only things that cannot be shaken remain. Sound like a deal, is not it? And all of a sudden with God's presence, you'll, you can sleep in the storm with him. Anybody ready to sleep with Jesus in the storm? Because we're going straight into a miracle. But the enemy wants to freak us out on the way to our miracle and detour us from trusting and staying in the spirit and truth. And some of us are going through some heavy storms right now and it ain't fair. It's like, man, what's next? I've heard several of you say, man, what's next? Tell you what's next. Go make that cup of coffee and get over it. That's what's next. Get over it. How is it that the storm is getting us when Jesus is saying, won't you let me have you? You've let that storm have you long enough. Let me have you. And the moment we get there, guess what happens then? Oh. He becomes our greatest possession. And when you get him as your possession, now what are you going to do? Anything's possible. You ready to go there? It takes repentance, water baptism in his name, and being filled with spirit and fire. And you start the race, and the enemy's shaking at this point, like, my God, what are we going to do? And his only hope is to detour you Paul wrote to the church, he said, You started well. What did hinder you? Got to let God work all the impurities out, all the lies out, until there's only room for Him. The shaking's happening, ladies and gentlemen, so that God has room in His house to be God. This preacher's telling you, That's where He's at with me. He's cleaning out, He's cleaning the house. And he's helping me begin to see what his treasure is and what he values in this you. Amen. If, if you're ready to get honest with God and you really don't, it don't matter what others think, come on up here to the front. And just you and Jesus, I'll pray for you if you want me to. And, and let me say, if you give me permission to lay hands on you, I'm going to lay hands on you. And I promise you, it'll work. Not because I'm a good guy, but because God loves you. I'm not up here because I deserve to be up here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm up here because God loves you. And his presence is in the room because you're his treasure. You're his favorite. And he wants you to experience the truth of that. Amen. Let's open our hearts up. Let's lift our hands and surrender to daddy. And for you that want to get honest with him, you can do it right where you're at or you can come forward. God bless you today. Guests, thank you for being with us. If you need to leave, you can. But for the next little while, we're just going to get honest with Daddy. And let him fill his house up. Not this room, his house. Let him come to his house.